Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, if you have your Bibles, I hope you do. If you'll turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 10. Um, we'll start in verse 12 in just a minute. Deuteronomy chapter 10, starting in verse 12. Um, this morning, I want to start a series called Church Mission Month. And um, our desire this as we start this series is... Um, we all um, look for a purpose and meaning and direction on um, what are we doing, what is our goal, what is our direction, why do we do what we do. And um, as we start out a new year, many times we start new missions or new goals, and sometimes that is New Year's resolutions or um, whether that is to lose weight or to get better shape or um, to uh, accomplish some goal, we set out on new goals. And as we start this new year, I thought it would be a great way as we started a new church year to think about what is our mission here at Bethesda? What is our purpose? What is our goal? I do um, think if we don't many times know our purpose or know our goal, sometimes we are miss the mark or we will not hit the target that maybe God attends for us. Yogi Berra was a famous baseball player. He plays for the New York Yankees. And, and one day he was playing the, uh, the Milwaukee Braves. And there was a man that played on the Braves. I think you may have heard of him. His name was Hank Aaron. And they were playing in the World Series. And Yogi was always notorious about just always talking and chattering and trying to get his teammates encouraged, but also, on the other hand, trying to distract players from the other team. And so Aaron, Hank Aaron came up to plate, and Yogi tried to distract him, and he looked up at Hank, and he said, Hank, or he, said, he actually called him Henry, Henry, you're holding the bat wrong. You're supposed to hold it so you can read the trademark. Aaron didn't say a thing. The next pitch came in, and Hank Aaron hit it into left field bleachers. As he was rounding third base um, and coming home, he looked at Yogi Berra and says, I didn't come here to read. You know, many times we maybe not know our purpose, and at times um, we don't know what we're here for, and as a result, we miss the mark. Billy Sunday, which was a great pastor, used to say these words, more men fail through lack of purpose than lack of talent. I believe many times we fail as believers and many times we fail as a church because either we don't know what we're here for or we lack purpose. We don't know what we're here to do. And so this morning I really want, and over the next few weeks, I really want us to look at the purpose of Bethesda Baptist Church and examine as a church and individual church members, what are we here for? What is our purpose? So I think we have some slides, and I want to read you. This is actually from our Constitution Bylaws, and there's a statement in our Constitution Bylaws, and it's described Article 2, and it says our purpose, and it says these words, Christ instituted the church, died for it, and has chosen to extend his kingdom in this world through his church. The church is compromised of God's people working collectively and cooperatively. We blend our differences and our gifts for the purpose of glorifying God through edifying one another. Building up the body of Christ toward Christ's maturity, reaching the lost for Christ. This church will be built upon the spiritual foundations established when a people corporately and boldly confess Jesus as Lord and lift him up in faith and practice as the son of the living God. Therefore, the first purpose it outlines in our um, purpose statement here 
one worship. This is what it says about worship. The church exists for first to worship God. Service follows worship, Matthew 4.10. By worshiping him, we fulfill the great commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Man was individually and corporately created to worship. Worship is the avenue for which people experience the living God in a direct, personal, and intimate way. When God's people gather for worship, there should be an anticipation of what God will do and an openness to receive him and be changed as he is worshipped in spirit and in truth. So as we look at what is our mission, what is our purpose... Our first purpose as uh, members of Bethesda Baptist Church, our first purpose as Bethesda Baptist Church is to worship. To today, so today, that is my desire. I want to look at a passage of scripture in Deuteronomy 10, and I want to examine our purpose to worship. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, Moses has been on Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights. He's been worshiping the Lord. He comes down from that mountain. By the way, this was the second time he'd been on the mountain. This is the second time that God had given him um, the, the Ten Commandments. And um, this second time, these 40 days, he had taken the tablets just that God instructed. And he wrote on those tablets his, um, God's Ten Commandments. He comes down from being 40 days and 40 nights on that mountaintop. And there he meets with God's people, Israel, and he gives them this word. And that's the passage I want to read today. And I think as he gives them directives of different ways to worship, he gives them the reason why are they to worship. And today, that's what I want to look at. Why do we worship? Why are we to worship? So let's stand together and let's read God's word together. So Deuteronomy chapter 10. And we're going to read chapter, I mean, chapter 10, verse 12, and we'll read through 22. And now Israel... What does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, the Lord your God belong the heaven and the heavens of the heavens and the earth and all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart and love on your fathers and chose their offsprings after them. You above all peoples as are written this day. Verse 16. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. For the Lord your God is the God of all gods and the Lord of all lords. The great and mighty and awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. And he loves his sojourner in giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God, and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. By the, his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt Seventy persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of heaven. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word today. Lord, I pray as we come today and we um, are looking for direction, and Lord, we look for your purpose for us as a church and individual church members. God, I pray today our eyes and our hearts would be open to your word. 
Lord, that we would hear as the people of Israel heard in that day words from you today. And Lord, as we hear, Lord, your word today, Lord, we, may we recognize today that it's not coming from me, Lord. These are words that are coming from you, Father. So, Lord, I pray that you would anoint me today from the heads of my toes, I mean, from the, from the head... Uh, from my head to my toes, Lord, may you anoint me with your word. And Lord, may I be your mouthpiece today that you speak through me. Lord, we come today gathered as one body. And Lord, we need a word from you. So Father, speak today clearly. And Lord, as you speak through me, your messenger, Lord, today may our hearts be open to the Lord, respond to Lord you according to how you lead us today. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for today. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So as we come to this passage of scripture, the passage begins, you've got to imagine um, this, this scenario, the backdrop of this passage of scripture. Moses has been on Mount Sinai once, and, and um, he, he was there for some period, period of time, and the people thought Moses was there too long, and, um, and, it, and he wasn't coming back, and therefore they made this golden calf um, and worshipped it, and then God sent Moses down from the mountain the first time and said the people were made another god, and, and God brought judgment on the people, and and, and they repented from that, but there was um, just a, a tragedy there that they were, here Moses was, and they disobeyed. And you know, remember Moses broke the first commandments um, um, that he made out of stone, and now he, he goes up a second time, right? And um, God kind of, um, Moses pleads for the people of Israel. He goes up a second time, he makes new commandments, and now they're, they're really, okay, we messed up the first time. We really don't need to mess up the second time. And now God comes, I mean, Moses comes back down. Well, really, what will he say this time? What will happen? So they're real anxious to hear God's word. And Moses comes down and he says, now what does the Lord regard, God require of you? And I think that's a message that comes to all of us today as we start out a new year. We, what does God want from me? What does God want for us as Bethesda? What is God's purpose for us? What does he require of us? And, and here, um, that was the heart of Israel. And God uh, immediately gives him their answer. And he gives us our, our answer. Verse 12, he says, now Israel, what does the Lord God require of you? And then he lists some things. Really, there's five things that God requires here that he lists out for Israel. And, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to focus so much on these. But I want you to understand these are different elements of worship. These are different ways we worship the Lord. And, and we see him outlining these. Let's look at these real quick. He says, but to fear the Lord. And there's the first one that he says, this is what the Lord requires of you. He, he requires you to fear the Lord. This fear, we think of fear, we think of, um, you know, um, Someone jumping out and scaring us, and we having a fear. We having a fear of something that's a snake or something we may have a fear of. This is not the idea here of a, a terror, more so as a respect and awe, an awe of God, an awe of God of His power, and the awe of that God is so powerful that um, it, it leads us to worship. You can imagine this for them was really relatable to them because in the last, um, as they came up to Mount Sinai and the presence of God came upon that mountain, the Bible says the whole earth shook and trembled. That lightning came down and struck and thunder shook the whole, and as a result of they feeling the presence of God coming in that place and the whole earth shaking at the presence of God, the Bible says they all stood and trembled at the very presence of God. This was the idea that they recognized that God was so powerful that in his presence came down, it shook the whole earth. And as a result, they, there was an awe of the power of God. And so therefore, he says, because you've seen my power, 
Because you've seen my power, and you've got to imagine these are also the ones that have seen God's power through the, the plagues. They had seen God, the, the death angel, come and spare. They had seen God part the rivers, and, and they seen God do a, a lot of mighty things. They stood on all of the power of God, and he says, you should worship me. What do you require of me? I, I worship, uh, require you to have a fear for me, have a, all of my power. Secondly, he says there, and, and these kind of coincide with one another. What does the Lord or God require of you um, to fear the Lord? And if you have an awe of the power of God and you have a, a reverence for who God is, then that leads to the next part. And what is it here? He says, um, what is it? but to fear the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways. The, the second requirement there is really godliness. To, to walk in a way, a godly walk or a godly lifestyle. If you have an awe of how holy God is and how powerful God is, then that translates into my life that, God, I want to live my life in a way that will bring you honor and glory. I want to walk in your ways, God. I want to glorify you with my life. And that's what the Lord says. You, what do you require of, when you ask, what does the Lord God require of you? Fear me. Walk in my ways. Be godly. Have a godly walk. Have a godly lifestyle. What's this third thing that God requires of them? He says, the fear of the Lord, um, to walk in all his ways. Follow me in verse 12. The third thing is to love him. Deuteronomy 6, 5, and you've heard me say it before, was a passage of scripture that every child who was born a Jew would have memorized. The very first passage of scripture they would have memorized. And it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. He says, fear me, have awe of me, have a godly lifestyle, but love me. And I don't want a superficial love. I don't want a surface love. Oh, yeah, sure, I love God. No, love me with all that you have, all your soul, all your power, all your soul, all your heart. So God requires um, fear. He requires godliness. He requires love. He requires service. Look at what it says here, to love the Lord and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. The fourth thing that God requires was a service to serve them. You, all of you in this room, um, are gifted in many different ways. All of us have different talents, different skills, different abilities. And God has given you those abilities and gifted you with those abilities in order to use those abilities, those talents, in service to the Lord. That the skills and the talents that God gave you, you might use those to serve the Lord to, to be an instrument in the hands of the Redeemer. And he says, listen, have a fear for me. Be godly. Love me. But use the talents I gave you to serve me. To be used by me. And fifthly, and lastly, he says here in verse 13, and to, commit, and, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. The last requirement was obedience. I've given you these commandments. You can imagine Moses probably had the Ten Commandments in his hands. And he says, these commandments I give you, obey those. So what does God require you? Fear him. What does God require? Stand, have all of him. What does God require of you? Not only to fear him, but to, to live a godly life. Oh, a godly walk, a godly lifestyle. 
to love him with all that you have, to serve him with the talents that you have, and lastly, to obey his commandments. And all of those, if you package these five that the Lord says at the very beginning, these are all different ways that we can worship him. We can worship him in awe of him. We can worship him in in living a godly lifestyle. We can worship him in serving him. We can worship him in obedience. And so you have to see that all these are different forms of worship. And so you would ask the question, or maybe they would ask, well, why? Why should I fear the Lord? Why should I love the Lord? Why should I obey the Lord? Why should I serve the Lord? Well, in this passage, I believe, it comes to the very heart of why should we worship? Why should we do these things? Why should we worship at Bethesda? Why should we worship as church members? Why should you love him? Why should you serve him? Why should you fear him? Why should you worship him? And he says these, I think these are found all in these different passages. This is what verse, we'll just read it together, verses 12 through 13, and then you'll see these come together. And now is what the Lord where God require of you, but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve him, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, to keep his commandments and statutes, which I am commanding you today for your good. Listen to this, verse 14. Behold, the Lord your God belongs the heaven and the heavens of heaven, the earth that, I mean, the earth with all that is in it. So why should you do these? Number one, worship the Lord because of the dominion of the Lord. The dominion is this understanding that everything was within his power. He has, it is all supreme. He is all powerful. The idea of um, this imagery here in this passage of scripture, it says he's the highest of heavens. It doesn't suggest that there are different levels of heaven or um, in the heavenly realm. But the idea is in the Hebrew here that the Lord is over all things, all things on this earth, all things in heaven itself. I was watching this week with my dad uh, the old movie, Apollo 13. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. It's a great movie. But, you, you know, seeing the scenes of that movie where they go into space and you see the stars and you see the earth and you see the, the millions of stars are in the galaxy. To think in your mind today that God is over and has dominion over everything in this earth. From here to the United States to the far places of Tanzania... God has power and dominion of everything on this earth. But go farther than that. In the heavens, heavens in scripture are the galaxies, are the stars. God has dominion not over everything in this earth, but every star that's in the galaxy, God has dominion over. He is all-powerful. I love probably one of my favorite passages of Scripture, maybe in the Old Testament, is Isaiah 40. In Isaiah 40, and I read this to a church member just the other day, Isaiah 40, 25, says this, To whom will you compare me, that I shall be like him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and see who created these, who brings out their hosts by number, calling them all by name, and by the greatness of his might, and because of his strong power, not one is missing. 
Isaiah in that passage of scripture, the people of Israel are belly aching at God. They're mad because of the things that they have suffered. They are questioning God's justice and his goodness. And God responds to them and says, okay, who do you want to compare me to? What other God do you want to compare me to? Not only that, not other God do you want to compare me to, what other emperor or king or, or leader do you want to compare me to? And he says, look up the stars and, and look up on high. And he's talking about the stars there. He says, the stars that you see in the sky, you know who created them? I created them. And by my power, not only that I brought them out, I put them in the stars, I put them in their galaxy, but I've named them all. Not only do I name them all by the, by the greatness of my might, listen to what scripture says, and because of his power, not one is missing. Can you imagine the God that Bethesda today worships, the God that you worship today is has dominion over all things here on this earth and here in the stars. And he has power that he put the stars in the heavens and by his same power, he holds them. And not one is missing. Can I tell you today, the God that you worship today has dominion over all things on this earth, all things in the stars. And listen today, as you're struggling with things maybe in your life that may feel like they're out of control, can I tell you today, God knows exactly where you are, and by his power, he will uphold you. And because that is the God that we worship, a God who is, out of, who, who is in control when it seems like things are out of control, he is worthy of our worship because he is the God who has dominion. Secondly, he says, you shall worship me, you should fear me, you shall love me, you shall serve me, because I am the God who has dominion over all things. But secondly, you are to worship me, and I want you to see this in this passage of scripture, you should worship me, uh, and you should worship the love that I have for you. I love this, this is a very powerful passage of scripture. Think about this God who has dominion over all things, and by his power he holds all things in this earth and above the earth. But that same God is the same God who set his love toward you. So what he says here. Behold, the Lord your God belongs to heaven, heavens of heavens, the earth and all that is within it. Yet the Lord set his love me set his heart to love on your fathers, and he chose their offsprings after them. You above all the earth, and all I mean, as you are in uh, are this day. Another passage of scripture, if you want to turn back with me, turn back with me just a few chapters to Deuteronomy chapter 7. It's another passage of scripture where the Lord declares his love for Israel. It's this idea that of, you've got to imagine we sometimes are, are, are limited in our thinking that sometimes we only think when we read about the Old Testament, we only think about so much about Israel because we hear so much about Israel. But there were so many different people groups at the time, so many different nations all across the earth, yet God could have chosen all any of the nations that were around them, but God chose to love Israel. And that's what he says here. You shall worship me. Because I have dominion over all things. But you should worship me because of my love for you. 
uses the imagery so much that he set his heart to love Israel. In Deuteronomy 7, he describes this even more. Um, for you are, in Deuteronomy 7, 6, he says this, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. For the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Listen to these words. How the, all the people who are on the face of the earth, that encompasses everyone who is on the earth. It was not because you were more numbered than any of the other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all people. But it's because the Lord loves you and is keeping oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. He says, Israel, all the people on the earth, the Lord set his love on you. He chose you out of all the people of the earth. He says that in verse 7. He set his love and chose you you were the fewest of all the people. It was not because you were so big. It was not because you were so powerful. It was not because you were so good or you were so righteous. No, God set his love on you and he gave his love toward you, Israel. Worship the Lord because he has dominion over all things. But worship the Lord for his love for you. Ephesians 1 is another passage of scripture that declares this in the New Testament. Read that with you real quick. It says this, Blessed be the God, Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we shall be holy, blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Christ Jesus, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to the purpose of which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him things in heaven and things on earth scripture in the old testament also in the new testament talks about God loving us setting his heart to love us have you ever thought about that in your life you remember as you were a kid, you know, I remember um, recess or PE, you would go outside and kickball was a big thing in my middle school days. In recess, you'd go out and you'd have kickball teams. You ever, anybody else ever play kickball? Is that still happening? Yeah, see, good old kickball. And so you go out and everybody go out, you know, you pick out who was going to be the team, um, team captains and then it's a dreaded thing. You know, you lined everybody up and the team captains would pick teams and what you kept saying, don't. Pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me, you know, especially if all the better players were getting on one team. You, you wanted to be picked. You wanted to be um, chosen to be on that team, right? And when that came or that call came, if you got picked first, man, you felt really good about yourself until, you know, either you missed or missed a ball in the field or whatever. But you, you wanted to be chosen, right? And you think sometimes you, you didn't make the team or you didn't make the best team or you're picked last. 
or you weren't picked at all, right? But you know the feeling of wanting to be. Now think about that in your life. How many people that you went in your school or you grew up with or even grew up in church with here? And think about how somehow, in some way, you've been through so many sermons. You've, you've been through, if you came to BCA, you've heard so many chapel messages. You've been through, some of you were raised in Christian families just like your other friends were raised in Christian families. But listen, it wasn't that you were, because you went to Christian school, it wasn't because you, you came up in the Bethesda, it wasn't because you were good. But just someday, for some reason, it was in a church service, or it was in your parents' home, or it was at a youth camp, or it was maybe um, a, a friend or a family member shared with you. But it wasn't because you were good, but it wasn't because you had it all together. It wasn't because you were strong, or you were powerful, you were successful in this world. No, God just spoke to you. Spoke to you right where you are. In the mess that you were in, and it didn't matter how good or bad you were, he loved you. And he says, I want a relationship with you. And that day, God poured out his love on you. And you think about so many in this world who've never experienced the love of God that you have experienced. But God so loved you that he has pursued you and he set his heart to love you and so today when you say Lord I want to worship you I want to worship you because you have power over all things but I want to worship you Lord because Lord I was not worthy of your love I was not good enough I was not strong enough but God you loved me. And because of God, you set your love for me. God, I want to love you, God. I want to serve you, God. I want to fear you, God. God, I want to obey you, Lord. Lord, I want to be godly for you, God. Lord, I want to worship you today because you have dominion over all things. God, I want to worship you for your love for me. Thirdly today, and lastly, Worship the Lord for the supremacy of the Lord. For the supremacy of the Lord. He goes back on in this passage of scripture. Look at verse 15. Yet the Lord set his heart on your fathers and chose their offsprings after them. You above all the people as you are in this day. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be, not, be no longer stubborn. For the Lord your God is the God of all gods and the Lord of all lords. The great, the mighty, the awesome God. The Lord is to be worshipped because he is supreme. He is a supreme God. He is greater than all the things of this earth and dominion. But he's greater than all gods. He's the greatest. We would say maybe in our day and the day he is the goat. He is the greatest of all things. Psalm 36, um, 136.2 says, Give thanks to the Lord. To the God of all gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Um, you know, we really going to this goat, this really has become a popular thing over the last 
a um, few years, and I know I've mentioned it to you before. This is a big goat discussion when it comes to the greatest basketball player of all time. And I can settle it for you real, right now real quick for you. It is Michael Jordan. Make no mistake about it. But, you know, there's all other debates about it. And I'm not partial at all as a Tar Heel fan. But um, there is the, a great discussion about who's the greatest of all time. You know, we, we like to do that even as we come into a new year. What have we just seen over the last TV, over the last few months or even newspaper different web articles is what was the greatest movie of 2020 right 22 or what was the greatest um, tv show of 2022 right and and we do this um, when you go to even restaurant what was the greatest um, burger place in raleigh durham area what's the greatest dessert place of uh, what's the greatest donut right we do this we try to find out what are the greatest things in this and really we we like to do this and even we think about this with over Christmas, you've, you might have gotten many different gifts, but there's one gift that you really like, and you, man, this was really good. And, and when we find something that's really good, whether it's the best burger place or best Christmas present, we really want to tell somebody about it, right? You, you know, hey, did you, I got this new pair of shoes. It's the best shoes I've ever had. Let me tell you where they, let me tell you what they're like, and let me tell you where you can get your pair. If you go to that, new, that best burger joint, man, I ate at Five Guys Burgers and Fries, and let me just tell you that's the best burger I've ever had. Let me tell you about it. We want the people to, to know what we have received that's been great. And we want to share someone with someone else so they may what? Also take part of that, right? We want them to share. We want to share that experience with them. And we want them to experience what we've experienced. But I want to ask you in your life, what have you found is the greatest thing in your life? You know, we look for the greatest burger joint, the greatest shoes, or the greatest um, sports figures. But what is the greatest thing in your life? Is it, as you come today, as you, you say, you know, you try to find greatness in academics as a, and as a teenager, as a uh, college student, you try to find greatness in your accomplishments in academics. And you may have tried to find greatness in that, and it never, ever filled a void. You can find greatness in athletics, as I did in and I was really never really good, but I tried, right, to find greatness in playing basketball or playing some sport. As much as I tried and tried to find happiness in being good at a sport, it never, ever fulfilled, right? We can try to find greatness in relationships, right? As a teenager and in um, high school and college, find greatness in a boyfriend or a girlfriend and, and think we can find real happiness in a relationship. Then it comes to that when we try to get, when we get married, we try to find greatness in our marriage, that marriage is going to be what finds happiness for us. And we come to find out as much as relationships can make us happen, happy, it will never truly fill a void, will it? We can say we can try to find greatness in our careers and our, and our jobs and excel in our workplaces and try to find happiness in that and making our um, succeed in different places as we continue through our career. But really, our careers will never make us happy, will it? We could try to find greatness or fulfillment in our hobbies, whether it's working on cars or whether it's um, doing um, crafts or whatever it may be is your hobby but it never, you can never really have enough, can you? It, even as you get the greatest thing of your hobbies you ever want, there's always a longing for something more, right? Have you ever came to the place which you realize today that there's nothing greater in your life than knowing God? There's no relationship that can ever fill the void of knowing the Lord. There's no athletic, there's no 
nothing that athletics can do like compared to knowing the Lord. There's nothing that your career can give you like knowing the Lord. There's nothing relationally, there's nothing in all this earth that can, can complete the void of knowing the Lord. You know, we should worship the Lord because we have seen, we've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I really think that we have to come to a place where I think this passage of Scripture is a great passage of Scripture that he is the God of all gods. You can imagine Israel had seen a lot of the gods. They had seen a lot of idols of nations that were around them. And they came to a place and said, you know what? There's no God like our God. And I wonder for you today, in your life, you have worship a lot of different idols. But I wondered if you've seen a lot of different things today and finally come to a place that, God, there's nothing greater than knowing you, God. And because of God, you are great. You are supreme. God, I want to worship you. I want to fear you. I want to stand in awe of you, God. I want to live godly. I want to be a godly life. I want to love you, God. I want to serve you. And I want to obey you. Because there's nothing like knowing you, God. You know, there is this, I really believe we do think that we can find um, greatness in different things. And I wonder if there's some today who you have your life, you've tried to find greatness in your career or athletics or academics or relationships or hobbies. But nothing has ever satisfied your soul. Some story of some great people through the world who have tried to find happiness in other things and, and have been left empty. And I really believe if we, in our life, if we try to find greatness in other things, there will always be a void in our life. And it's a void that only God can fill. Stories of well-known people um, that didn't have a relationship with the Lord and therefore there was this void or this vacuum in their life or vacuum of life. Many of them were well known. H.G. Wells was a historian and philosopher and at the age of 61, this is the words he says, I have no peace. All life is at the end of the tether. Lord Bryan was a poet and he wrote these words, my days are in yellow leaf. The flowers and fruits of life are gone the warm and the canker, the grief are mine alone. Henry D David Thoreau said these words, Most men live lives of quiet desperation. Ralph Barton was one of the world's top um, cartoonists of the nation. He left this um, note pinned to his pillow um, before he took his own life. And these are the words he said, I have a few difficulties, many friends, great successes. I've gone from wife to wife, from house to house, visited great countries of the world, but I'm fed up with the venting devices to fill up 24 hours of a day. Here's a man who had all the world he could offer. He tried to find the greatness in relationships, in homes, in travel, in friends, but never found the greatness of knowing God. Never knew the greatness of the Lord. 
Can I say to you today, have you ever found the greatness of who God is? That he's greater than all gods. He's greater than all things. Have you ever today put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Listen, today, today he wants to set his love toward you. Would you today receive him as your Lord and Savior? Would you put your faith in him and your trust in him for salvation today? Would you today say, Lord, I want to worship and worship you alone because you have dominion over all things in this earth and you have dominion over all things in my life. God, you are worthy of my worship. God, I'll fear you. I'll love you. I'll serve you. I'll walk in the ways that you have me walk. And I'll obey you today, Lord. Would you pray with me? Lord, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for today. I thank you for your word. God, we declare here at Bethesda, God, that you are the God of all gods and the Lord of all lords. Lord, you are worthy of our worship today. God, you created us all today as worshipers. And God, we will worship something. Sometimes we'll worship um, something of this world and try to find happiness there or greatness there. But God, it's a far imitation compared to knowing you, God. And Lord, I pray they'd be there. Um, I, I pray today that there'd be those that are here who say, God, I don't want an invitation in, anymore. God, I want to worship you who are greater than all things. Lord, I want to worship you today because of your love for me. God, I want to worship you today because, Lord, you have dominion over all things, all things in my life. And Lord, you are worthy of my worship. Or I pray if there's some here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior. God, I pray today they would not put it off or wait for another time. But today would be a day that they put their faith in you for salvation. Today they would recognize, Lord, you have set your love toward them. Today they would surrender, Lord, their life to you. They would give, Lord, you all of themselves. Lord, so I pray there's some today that's never done that. I pray that... Right now, right where they are, they would pray a prayer to receive, Lord, by faith, salvation in you. They wouldn't admit today that they're a sinner in need of a Savior. God, I pray that today they would believe in their heart that you came and you lived and died on a cross, that they might be saved from their sins. And I pray today they would confess you as Savior and Lord. And they'll confess, Lord, that they'll surrender their life to you in worship. Or I pray there's others need to come today um, to come to this altar and, and just worship you at this altar and lay some things down on your feet. Lord, I pray you'd lead them to do that. Lord, however you lead us, God, may we respond to you now. In your name we pray. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.